Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. All right. Well, probably one of those things that Aaron said about me was true. Uh, my name is Aaron, and I am bald, so that is true. I didn't lose my hair. Um, having uh, four children will do that. Um, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, um, I was an intern here at River Valley Ranch 18 years ago. Can you believe it? I can hardly believe it myself. Um, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't too long ago where I was sitting uh, in your seat, you know, where, where you are tonight. Um, my, my wife, I, I, I was having some technical difficulties uh, with my iPad and computer uh, today and this week. Have you ever had some technical difficulties with your stuff? So normally I show pictures of my family the first night of uh, when I do speaking at a camp, but you're not going to get that tonight. Hopefully you'll get that tomorrow. My wife is going to be here tomorrow uh, with two of my children. My, other, my two oldest children are going to be at death camp uh, this week. I have three deaf children. And so does anyone know ASL here? Oh, really? That's wonderful. So when, when my two youngest girls get here tomorrow, you guys can sign with them. They'll love that. Um, but uh, my two oldest will be at Def Camp, and then uh, and we'll have a good time, and you'll meet my wife tomorrow. Her name is Martha. We just celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary. Um, yeah. So uh, let's see, a little bit of trivia before we get started. I know, let's see, what time, 7.28. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep the introductions a little short tonight. Normally, I like to spend quite a bit of time getting to know you guys uh, but we've got, we've got a timetable tonight that I'm going to stick to, and, uh, and then we'll get to know each other throughout the week. How does that sound? That sound pretty good? Um, but let's just do some trivia r- r- real quick. Um, I'm going to give you four options of where my first child was born, and you tell me where you think it was born. Uh, was he born in Saratoga Springs, New York? Was he born in Maui, Hawaii? Was he, was he born in Alaska? Or was he born right here at River Valley Ranch? Raise your hand if you think he was born at RVR. Raise your hand if you think he was born in Saratoga Springs, New York. Raise your hand. Every, you're raising your hand at both, at all of them. Raise your hand if you think he was born in Maui, Hawaii. That's exactly where my first son was born. Uh, my family, in fact, my first two children were born in Maui. We lived there for five years. Would you like to live in Hawaii? Yeah. yeah. Surfing every day was awesome. But um, so you'll get to know me. I'll get to know you. I, I hope to get to know a lot of you by name. You know, I think that's important. You know, your name is important, isn't it? I love that we sing that song that God calls you by what? By name. He knows you by name. He calls you by name. He hears you. He sees you. He loves you. Even if you don't yet believe in God, he believes in you. And you just need to know that tonight. Do you Are you with me so far? Yes? So it, 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 when I was 16, I was on the verge of uh, being kicked out of high school. Things weren't going so great in my life at the time. I was making some pretty poor decisions. And I don't want to glorify that. I just want you to know a little bit about my background. I never really had a problem believing in the existence of God, but I was definitely disillusioned with the church and with Christians. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, so that's kind of where I was at 16 years old, but I was making some bad decisions. And what I, if that's you, and you don't have to be 16 to make bad decisions. You could be a counselor here this year and be making bad decisions. Am I right? Like, like it, we're all prone to making bad decisions. But what, wherever you are in life, wherever your heart's at tonight, I, I just want to challenge you to be open to the possibility that there is a God that he loves you, and that he has a great plan and purpose for your life. Can you just have an open mind and an open heart with me this week? Can you just do that? Nod your heads if you're with me so far. Okay, so, so, so if you're with me, just repeat after me. Dear God. Now say it like you mean, like he's really there. Okay, dear God. I'm here. I'm listening. I'm ready for you to do whatever you want to do. Amen. All right, so tonight, I want to introduce you to a passage of Scripture, and if you are a counselor here, you have been reading this uh, all summer long. It's from Isaiah 61, and, and listen, you can glean something new from God's Word uh, no matter how many times you've read it. In fact, sometimes reading it multiple times actually deters us, but, 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 but what we want to do is when we look at God's word, we want to look at it with fresh eyes and with a fresh heart to receive whatever it is he has for us. And I believe that God's got something for us tonight through this passage. So I'm going to read it out loud. You just read along uh, with the words on the screen. Isaiah 61 verse 1. I just want to reflect on this. I'm not going to expound on it a lot tonight. I just want us to soak this passage in. This is a powerful passage, and it is rich. It is rich with food, it, it, with, with nourishment from our sovereign Father. Here's what it says. The Spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Sovereign means supreme authority. Everyone say sovereign. The Spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me He's, he's, he's tasked me or assigned me to proclaim good news. Everyone say good news. Do you like good news? Listen, if our world needs anything today, it needs some good news, doesn't it? Our world needs some good news. Um, it's going to rain. That's good news, yeah. Um, about three weeks ago, I got a call around 2 in the morning from a 17-year-old. How many of you are 17 in here? A few 17, yeah, yeah, what? Once upon a time. A few weeks ago, I got a call from a 17-year-old named Billy. And uh, he was a local high school student. He, he actually just graduated uh, from Chichester High School. And uh, it was 2 in the morning. He said, Pastor, I've never met you, but one of my friends goes to your church and um, my mom just passed away. And he said, I don't know what to do. My dad, he's a deadbeat dad. My dad is telling me that he wants me to pay all the bills. My dad won't even help me plan a funeral for my mom. I said, well, you know, Billy, do you have a, do you have, do you have a home church? Do you have a, do you have a pastor that you, that you could talk to? He said, no, that's why I'm calling you. I said, okay, man, what, what can we do? He said, I don't know. I just, I need some good news in my life right now. I mean, when someone comes to you and tells you that your, their mom just died, what good news do you tell them? 
What good news do you have? I said, you know, can you meet me at the church? He said, yeah. So I drove to the church. He meets me at the church in the wee hours of the morning. Had another one of our pastors meet me there. And, and so there's the three of us. And, and I said, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what good news you're looking for right now. I, I, don't, I, I know nothing about you except that your name is Billy. Your mom just died. But I can tell you something, that we're going to love you with the love of Jesus because that's all we've got. And so we did. And so we put a funeral on for his mom. And, uh, but, but I just want you to think about that tonight. I mean, but what if it were you? What if you were in Billy's shoes? Like, what good news would you be looking for? I mean, your mom's not coming back. Your mom's in the grave. Your dad's not helping with the bills. The, 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 the nation of Israel here in Isaiah that the prophet is talking, they're looking for some good news. And, and there are people here that were poor, not just, uh, not just uh, materially uh, impoverished, but, but they were poor in every sense of the word. Now, I, I don't know all of your situations, but I, I would venture to say that there's at least one person in this room that has a, probably at one point in your life wondered where the next meal is coming from. Is there at least one person in here? I grew up that way. There were multiple days where I didn't know where, where the next meal was coming from. My family was poor and we were looking for some good news. Would you at least agree with, with, with me that our world is looking for good news today? And if someone's coming to you and says, hey, I need some good news, what do you got? What are you giving them? Just think about it. Just think about it. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Has anyone ever broken your heart? Have you ever, have you ever come home and found out that your parents are splitting up? Have you ever come, have you ever been on the phone and, and your boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you and just, just shattered your heart in pieces? Has it ever happened to anybody? Like he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Look at this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Just last year, there was a young man that went to our church. He loved God. Man, he loved God. But he was addicted to heroin. 29 years old. OD'd. Man. To comfort all who mourn. There were hundreds of people that showed up at the church mourning, grieving, trying to figure out how to make sense of this young man's life. And listen, this guy... He was addicted to drugs, but, man, he, would, he, was a, he was a good guy. You don't have to be like some, you know, mean, evil, cantankerous uh, dude to, to, be, to, to, to have this, this evil just latch onto you. It just, it, just, it just destroyed him from the inside out. And hundreds of people came to the church mourning, looking for comfort. I mean, what do we, what do we have? What do we got? to provide for those who grieve, to, be, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. You know, tonight I, I just want us to reflect on this passage. You're going to read it again in your small groups. But here's the question that I want you to think about. Like, think about your life for a moment. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Think about your life. Have you ever experienced 
something just gut-wrenchingly painful? Has someone ever said something to you that hurt so bad you didn't think that you'd ever get over it? Has, has a sibling, you know, betrayed your family or, or has a, a, a mom or dad betrayed your family or rejected you or one of your siblings? Has something like that happened to you? And if so, here's the question that you need to, to reflect on. Can God, can God bring beauty from those ashes? I want to think about this phrase. You can open your eyes. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Let's think about God's sovereignty tonight, his supreme authority. One, one, another thing that you need to know about me tonight is that uh, I'm, a, I'm a reflective person. Do, do we have any people that like to reflect in here, like to evaluate and to think deeply about things. Sometimes I think too much. Any, any of you think too much? You just overanalyze everything. Maybe you walk past someone and they didn't look at you just right. And you're thinking, oh, man, did I make them mad? Did they, you, know, you, know what, you know what I'm talking about? But, it, but it's important to reflect. And tonight I want to reflect on this phrase, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is, is on me. You know, when you look in a mirror, for instance, um, you can see what? What can you see when you look in, when you look in a mirror? You, you can see yourself, right? Um, I don't know about you, but this doesn't always make me feel good. Uh, but when I look at myself in a mirror, I'm able to see myself more clearly than I usually do. And sometimes we stay away from mirrors because we don't like what we see. But this is true when we look at the mirror of our hearts as well. In fact, it's probably more true when we talk about the mirrors of our hearts because a lot of us avoid reflecting on our attitudes because oftentimes our attitude, what? Stinks. And oftentimes we avoid reflecting on our behaviors because our behaviors are, are not good. Uh, you, know, you know, so we, we closely examine these things. And when we, when we talk about the spirit of the sovereign Lord, we're, we're talking about the essence, the heart of the God, the supreme authority who made you in his own image. So when you reflect any length of time on the sovereignty of God, the God who made you, who made you in his own image, you're going to see something and learn something about yourself. Are you with me so far? You see, God who made you, who is, who is sovereign, who is the supreme authority, he knows you better than you know you. So the closer you get to this God who knows you, you get to meet a you. Are you with me so far? You get to meet a you that you don't even know exists yet. And some of you will like what you see when you get to know that you, and some of you won't. But you at least need to reflect on the possibility that there is a sovereign God who made you in his image, who knows you better than you know yourself. The reflection is good and necessary because you can't improve on what you don't reflect on, Right? If you want to raise your hand, if you want to be a better person tomorrow than you are today, right? In order to be a better person tomorrow than you are today, you have to at least evaluate who you are today. 
Are you with me? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, good. All right. I often reflect on my childhood, and I think deeply about it. Reflecting on the earlier years of my life uh, really shaped who I am. It shaped and in, is in shaping who, uh, what I want to become in life. And for the most part, I had a great childhood. You know, my parents loved me. They provided for me the best that they could. Um, I've always had a close relationship with my three brothers. Um, I'm the third of four boys. This thing going in and out. Um, But when I reflect on my childhood uh, and I think about the times where I didn't know where my next meal was coming from, when I think about the the, the ways that people in my dad's church hurt our family, uh, when I think about those times, they don't really fill me with a lot of resentment, regret, or sadness. Um, The thing I struggled with a long time uh, in reflecting on my childhood was the time you know, spent growing up in, in my church. My dad was a pastor, so I was in church uh, every Sunday and uh, probably you know, most days out of the week. And, and I, I didn't mind it so much. You know, I, I actually loved the, I, even as a 10-year-old boy, I loved the idea that Jesus taught in the Bible that the church, his church, the true church, the church that's made up of people and not walls, I loved the idea that his church was the hope of the world. I mean, isn't that a cool idea? That, 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 there, is a, that there is the possibility of a group, a living uh, group of people that become, m- mysteriously become one that could change the course and outcome of our world. Isn't that a cool idea? Regardless of whether you believe in God or not, isn't that at least a neat idea that there can be that kind of living organism that can have that kind of positive impact on a world? When I was a young boy, I thought that was a pretty neat idea, um, so I didn't have a problem with that. I, I, that sounded good to me. I wanted to live a life that mattered. I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. I, I was the 11-year-old kid that, that, would make, you know, that would have the lemonade stands outside my house every day just so that I could make money and give it to the homeless people that we pass on the way to school every morning. I wanted to make a difference. I didn't have a problem with that. So I went to church. I sang the songs. I said the prayers. I participated in youth group. But, but something wasn't adding up. Has anyone had that experience before? Like just something wasn't adding up for me. I remember one, uh, one time friend and I were roughhousing in, in the church building. And uh, uh, through the you know, course of several minutes, we were wrestling. Uh, my head goes straight through uh, the drywall in between two two-by-four studs in the back of the sanctuary of the church. And I remember this elderly lady coming up to us, and she just started, she just ripped into us. She was scolding us. She said, how, can, how in the world can you be damaging the house of God like this? And then she looked at me, and she said, and you, Aaron, of all people, you're a pastor's kid. And, and I just, I was kind of scratching my head. And to be fair, like, she wasn't a real jerk about it. Like, she was a little uptight, you know, but she, like, she wasn't a real jerk about it. But it got me thinking. Because I like to reflect. On the ride home, my mom, you know, my mom's always been able to read me like a book. She could tell that I was thinking hard about something. And she said, she said, uh, what's on your mind, hon? And I said, mom, and, and I explained the situation. I, and I wasn't mad at this lady. You know, she, my mom, she, she was there. She saw the whole thing. And I, I wasn't mad at the lady. And I wasn't trying to 
to, to be disrespectful. I, I, I just said, Mom, tonight, like this, that whole situation, uh, I understand, you know, that, that we shouldn't have been roughhousing, but the whole situation just got me thinking about, about Christianity, about life, about the church, about Jesus. And, and there's, there's just got to be more to life than trying my best not to do bad things. Have any of you ever reflected on that thought? Have any of you ever reflected on that? Like, is that what Christianity is? Just doing our best not to do bad things? Is, is that what beauty looks like? Just trying our best not to do bad things? Is that God's grand plan for you and for me? Just, just trying our best not to do bad things, not to put holes in the back of sanctuary walls, not ever saying a curse word, not ever doing anything to hurt someone's feelings. Is that, is that all there is? Just trying our best not to do bad things. And, you know, when I, ref- I said, Mom, when I reflect on, when I think about all the stories that you and Dad have, have taught me from the Bible, I, I see people taking huge risks. I, I, I see God doing crazy miracles and miraculously working in people's lives and, and, and healing people and, give, and bringing sight to the blind. And even now as, a, and a, as an adult father of three deaf children, every time I read that passage in, in the New Testament where Jesus touched the ears of, those, of, of that deaf person and, and, and he could hear, I just think, wow, wouldn't that be amazing? If God just touched the ears of my daughters and they could, they could hear the sound of their dad's own voice, wouldn't that be cool? And you know what? I believe that God can do that. I believe he absolutely can. But I also believe that he doesn't always choose to do that. And that is because he is what? He's sovereign. He's sovereign. When I reflect on, on, on these stories, I see people laying it down, laying it all down for the sake of Jesus. And I'm like, Mom, I'm like an 11-year-old kid. I'm like, Mom, when I, look at, when I look at the church, when I look at Christians, when I look at my friends at the Christian school where I, where, where, where I attend, I, I see disunity. I see hypocrisy. I see division. I see prejudice and judgmentalism. I see way too many people bored out of their minds. I mean, how many of you have ever fallen asleep in church before, right? It's like, is, this, is that all there is to this? It's obvious, isn't it? Something is what? Something is missing. Some of you are nodding your heads and you're thinking, oh, yeah, let's dog on the church. Yeah, let's, let's beat up on the Christians. No, no, no. Like, I'm a Christian if you didn't know that, right? Like, I'm a Christian, I love the church. I believe in God's church. I'm a pastor in a local church. I believe in it. I love the local church. I'm not naive enough to, to say that there aren't problems with the church, but you don't just throw it out because there are problems, right? And before we get too hard on the Christians, we got to look at the non-Christians too, because do the non-Christians have it all together? I don't know. See, I look inside the church. I look inside my family, and I see division, disunity, hypocrisy, prejudice, judgmentalism, and I look outside the church, and I see suicide, and, and I see split families, and, 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 and I see substance abuse, and shame, and scars, and suffering, and that leads to another thought that, that, that I often think about, 
Then the first one is there's got to be more to life than just doing my best not to do bad things. The second thought is there's got to be more to life than doing my best to avoid all the bad things that could possibly happen. Do you know anybody like that? They just want to avoid the bad things from happening. If we think positive enough, if we talk positive enough, nothing bad will ever happen. Is that true? No, bad things happen because we live in a world where bad things happen. There's another word to describe these bad attitudes. Are you guys with me so far? Have I lost you? Are you with me? We're going to come full circle. I'm laying the groundwork here, okay? Another word to describe these bad attitudes, these bad actions, these bad experiences is ashes. Everybody say ashes. Another word, another synonym for ashes is is brokenness. Everyone say brokenness. You know, Christians are just as broken as non-Christians. Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. We are all what? We're all sinners. We're all broken. We are all broken. I look inside the church and I see brokenness. And I look outside the church and you know what I see? I see brokenness. I look inside my own heart and you know what I see? Brokenness. I look up and I see God's sovereignty. I look up and I see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I see the goodness of the Lord in the land of ashes. The spirit of the, everyone say it, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. Whether you believe it or not, it's upon us. Is there any water around here? I'm getting all worked up. Throughout the ancient world, ashes have been a symbol of deep anguish and grief. Maybe you remember the innocent, oh, thank you, Aaron. Oh, oh you're not Aaron. Thank you. What's your name? Brad Eye. Brad Eye? Brad Eye? Brad Eye. Okay. Thank you, Brad Eye. All right. All right. Maybe you remember the nursery rhyme. Do you remember it? Ring around the rosies, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Some say this rhyme dates back to the great plague of England in 1665. A rosy rash, this is kind of gross, but a rosy rash was a symptom of the disease during the great plague. Posies of herbs were carried around in people's pockets and they were said to be protection to ward off the smell of, uh, of the rancid smell of the disease. And, and the line ashes, ashes was actually added later and popularized by the colonial Americans to describe the devastation that occurred during the Great Plague. Ashes. In the Bible, in the next two minutes, there's a story about a man named Job. And the entire story of Job is a story about a man's ashes and God's beauty. It's about a man who looks inside his family and sees division. His wife hated him, couldn't stand him, said, just curse God and die. You, you know, you've already lost our children. You've lost our wealth. Just, just, just give up on your integrity. Give up on God and just curse him and let's, let's die and be done with this thing called life. That was his wife. She was around for a little while. He looks outside of his family and he sees his friends who betrayed him, despair, destruction everywhere, depression, 
But ultimately, it's about a man who sees the ashes of his life, who reflects on the ashes of his life. And that's what I want you to do tonight. I want you to reflect on the ashes in your life and in the lives of those around you. But I also want you to reflect on the goodness of God in the midst of your ashes. Job was overwhelmed by misery. In just 24 hours, he lost his entire estate, all his property, all of his children, all of his wealth. His employees left. They weren't getting a paycheck anymore. His friends were scarce. His wife was screaming at him. And that night as Job was taking it all in, look at this. This is what he said. Job chapter 1, verse 20. He stood up. He ripped his robe off. He shaved his head. He fell to the ground and he worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked I will leave this life. Read this out loud with me. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you think Job understood the sovereignty of God? The Lord gives and the Lord what? The Lord takes away. Blessed or happy is the name of the Lord. Throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. The next evening, things actually went from worse to bad to worser. Job's already lost everything he had, but he still had himself, his health, and his wife, even though she wasn't happy. He's struck by another terrible illness. He ends up in his own dirt and misery. He's scratching himself with a piece of broken pottery. And, and, and look what, I love, I love how the Bible puts this. Look, look at it. Job chapter 2, verse 8. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery to scrape himself while he sat where? While he sat among the ashes. And, and, and his wife yelled at him. Look at this, verse 9. His wife said, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. And look, you can't miss this. Look, you cannot miss this. Everyone look right up here. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. This is what Job, who's sitting in the literal, the literal ashes of his life, he's sitting there in the middle of the ashes, scraping himself with a piece of broken pottery, completely depressed. This is what he says. He says, you're speaking like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good from God and not... Adversity throughout all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Here's what I want you to understand. Job sat in the ashes of his life and he reflected on the sovereignty of God. And some of you, I know, I know you're, you came in here this week to RVR. Maybe you came in here to, to have fun, to just stop thinking about the ashes at home. Am I right? You got crap going on at home. Maybe at school, maybe some of you are getting ready to go to college. Whatever it is, you, you've, got, you've got ashes, you've got brokenness that you're dealing with. And maybe you just came here to get away from it. Maybe you came here because your, your, your parents forced you to come here. Maybe you came because a friend invited you. I have no idea why you're here. But, but I know if you're anything like me, you, you've at least experienced some type of of pain, of hurt, of brokenness in your life. Have you experienced anything like that? If you haven't, you will. And I just want to prepare you for it because at some point in your life, things are going to break down and you need to have something to hold on to. This is what Job was holding on to. He was holding on to this paradoxical reality that life is hard and God is good. You see the paradox? But wait, 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 I thought God was sovereign. He is, he loves you, but life is what? Life is hard. We know life is hard because we've experienced how hard life is, haven't we? Job was in the middle of ashes 
And he held on to this truth that life is hard and God is, God is good. I want to read this to you and then I'm, I'm going to be done. The Lord has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. Here's the question. Can God bring beauty from the ashes? Can God bring beauty from the ashes of your life? When I was 16 years old, I got kicked out of high school. And I was sitting there. My dad was, had driven me up to a restaurant in Greenbrier in West Virginia. And I was, I was about to go into a boy's home. And in my head, I was thinking, if there is a God, can he do anything with me right now? Is there any solution? Is there, any, is there anything that could possibly, is there any good that can possibly come out of how much I've screwed things up? Have you ever had that thought? That's what I want you to think about tonight. Can God bring beauty from the ashes? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you are sovereign, you are in control. We're gonna, we're gonna unpack this this week, and I'm so excited to do it. But I, I'm so thankful that Almost 20 years ago, when I had that question, can you bring good from this? Can you bring beauty from this? Can you, bring, can you make something good of my life? I'm so thankful that you believed in me. I'm so thankful that you valued me. I'm so thankful that you didn't give up on me. God, I know there's somebody in this room tonight that needs to hear that they matter, that they are valued, and that they have a purpose in this this land that's filled with brokenness and ashes. Maybe it's even a counselor here tonight that has no clue what's going on. God, maybe it's them that you just want to whisper into their heart and say, I see you, I love you, and I'm here for you. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.